Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Twitter at underscore Beyond the Lines, and also on TikTok at Beyond the Lines Podcast. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, you can email me at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. This episode is sponsored by Davis Vending. If you're in the Tampa area and you need a snack or drink machine for your employees or customers, contact Davis Vending at 813-530-6763 or email them at davisvending71 at gmail.com. Davis Vending offers great service and affordable prices. For all your vending needs, contact Davis Vending. This is episode number 61, and today I will be discussing turning Olympic tragedy into triumph. So now, let's meet this episode's guest. So my guest today is Iran Hafner. He was born and raised in Israel, but now resides in Los Angeles for the past 23 years. He's the master of hypnotherapy and timeline therapy. He's also the master trainer of neuro-linguistic programming. And more importantly, he was a member of the Israeli Junior Olympic Judo team from 1990 to 1992. Iran, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. So we're going to talk a little bit about turning tragedy into triumph. And I think your story is one that is very compelling for several reasons. I think it's one, again, where we're talking about tragedy and turning that into triumph. And I think it's a story that all people can listen to, can understand, and can withdraw from that story, how to persevere, how to overcome tragedy, and turn it into something positive. And more importantly, I think it's a positive message for kids and youth athletes in which they can take from your message and from your story and use that for whenever they're coming across some adversity or even some sort of tragedy. So I'm glad to have you on to talk about that. For sure, for sure. I think it's very important to give the young uh, kids and young adults the tools how to handle when something crash into your life, things are not going as, as expected, you know? Absolutely. All right, so before we kind of get into the meat of the story, let's talk a little bit about judo. So how old were you when you got into judo? I was six years old. Actually, I started judo because I was bullied in first grade. So I decided to go and study judo so I can protect myself. And it became something that I really loved and I was really devoted. So I started to train three times a week, then five times a week, you know. And when I won championships, I became part of the youth Israeli national team. Uh, we're preparing to the Olympics. And one day, you know, I was riding my bicycle to a practice and a car <laughs> crashed into my dreams. And all of a sudden, you know, I find myself on a wheelchair and the whole rehabilitation and learning to walk all over again and keep in mind this is, was early 90s so the medicine was not like today and so the healing process was longer they didn't have the same thing that they can do miracles today and it was the toughest year of my life no doubt about that it was the toughest year of my life and I never gave up I mean later on when I was in, in my rehab I went to see my coach practices and I went to see competitions and I never gave up. I, it was my dream to go back to judo. And as part of my rehabilitation in the hospital, I started to learn magic. We went to a weekend, you know, with my parents and there was a magician and I was hooked and I started to practice magic and learn magic. That was really what kept me mm, with motivation and I could say could fill my days because doing rehab, not going to school, not being with your friends, not doing what you used to do, you have a lot of hours to fill up, you know, and 
I think that it's very important to have something that is really a passion to fill those hours. So it turns to be that I really loved it and I became a professional magician. And after my rehabilitation, after like two years out of judo, I did try to go back. And I did go back to practice and I did go back to competition. However, as expected, you know, the level was not as high as before. And I was very limited with the moves and basically with what I could do. So definitely I knew I can keep doing that, you know, as a hobby, but it just cannot be my main thing anymore. It just cannot be. It's a really hard and devastating realization that something that you did since you are six years old and you love so much and you used to do every day, all of a sudden is taken away from your life. It's very devastating. So magic was my therapy. Magic was my therapy. And I started also to compete in magic and I won competitions in magic as well. And then I decided to start to volunteer with kids, especially in hospitals, and do magic for them, you know, and help them with their recovery, at least with the state of mind of staying happy and staying focused on what's really important. And this is our health and the mental health. Because sometimes on the physical health, we have no control, you know, what happened, happened. But on the mental health, I definitely think that we have a lot of control. And that's the reason why I started to learn, you know, I, I was also a mentalist and I learned hypnosis and the power of the mind. And it was always intrigued me why success comes to some people and not to others. Why some people, even one of my friends in judo, you know, in training, it was really tough fights but in competition when I met him you know I swiped him like a little girl and it's all how strong you are mentally to right. overcome any challenge any challenge and you know how I say to my son these days he's 18 he just turned 18 my oldest one and I tell him you know you just finished school and you're going to the adult world welcome <laughs> and the difference in the adult world compared to school is that in school they teach you something and then give you a test and nobody really cares if you pass the test or not but in real life, you get a test and hopefully you learn something from that. Right. And if not, you're going to hit the same wall over and over and over until you learn your lesson in life. Absolutely. And then when you learn your lesson in life, it's like magical. The wall disappears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the wall just disappears from your life. And we want to touch a little bit on that hypnotherapy in a little bit, but I want to backtrack a little bit and go back to what you were mentioning when you were saying that you were bullied in school. And obviously, that's one of the things that a lot of kids face everywhere. How old were you when you first started getting bullied? And what were those types of things that you were being bullied about? I was six years old. We moved to a new town, so I didn't know anybody, you know, and it was first day in school in first grade. And I was a small guy. I wasn't big. I was really small and shy. And one of the kids, you know, just thought that I'm a good target for him, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, you never know the reasons. Right. And I didn't tell anybody because my parents were busy, you know, working and they were hardly home and they would come late. And I just thought that I have to deal with that somehow. And I thought that martial arts will give me the confidence and also the power, you know, to protect myself. And martial arts and judo especially become very strong part of my life, even today that I'm 47 and I don't do it anymore, because what it gives you as a person are values that are really valuable for life, such as self-control, 
such as consistency, such as always do your best, a lot of really, really good values. And even the day before I came to America, I was already magician and performed all over Israel, in TV, in the radio. Mm-hmm. And I went to my sensei the day before I came to America, and I came here for the Magic Castle in Hollywood to perform magic. And I told him, I'm going tomorrow to America to do what you taught me. And he's looking at me and says, what are you talking about? I taught you judo, you're going to do magic. And I said, yeah, but you taught me to be the best that I can. And when I was in high school, <laughs> that's a funny story. I flew to London to a master class of magic with a great magician who taught me a lot, a lot of beautiful stuff. And when we finished one week with him, he told me, Iran, you must know the four rules of magic. Because if you will follow the four rules of magic, you can be a great magician. And today I think that those four rules of magic are really rules for life, for anything or any skill that anyone wants to master. And it's never too late. And rule number one of magic is practice. Practice. Rule number two of magic is practice some more. And rule number three is practice until you make it perfect. And rule number four of magic is keep practicing. <laughs> so I definitely think it's a good rule for life about anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned that you started taking judo. You became very good at it. You won competitions. At what age or what was that one thing that made you think, you know what, I'm going to try this Olympic junior team and, and see how I do with that? What was that one thing that pushed you towards trying to or join the junior Olympic team? So in... 1992, the Olympic Games in Barcelona, that was the first time ever that Israel won Olympic medals. And actually, we won two Olympic medals in those games, both of them in judo. I was actually practicing, you know, in the team with the same two judoka that won those Olympic medals. And I wanted it also. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how old were you when the accident occurred? The accident occurred when I was 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Okay, and you were on your way to practice and that's when it happened. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, and I know that you mentioned that you still wanted to go and try and join the Olympic team and join your teammates. How difficult was it to really not only go through the rehab, but try and focus on down the road, try and focus on my goal is to join the junior Olympic team again and make a run at this Olympic thing. How difficult was that? It was really difficult because at the time that you are, you know, on wheelchair and that you are learning to walk, you don't really see the light. You don't really see the light. You just want to do step by step to be better. I think that the focus become a little bit different on healing and not on the athlete goals that I had before. Because you come at a certain point to realization that what used to be is not going to be the same anymore. And that's the reason why I really seek for something else that will keep my time in rehabilitation because, you know, I remember doing physical therapy and at the same time that I'm doing physical therapy for my legs or they have the electrodes on, on my legs, I just practice sleight of hand or magic or doing something, you know, so I will not think about the pain and about all the long journey that I have to do in recovery, but actually I'm focusing on building something new, you know, at the same time. 
And I think that really helped me a lot because come to also what I learned later on as a hypnotherapist, my teacher loves to say, whether you believe you can or cannot do it, you're absolutely right. Right. <laughs> and this is a motto for me. And that's why I teach myself and I practice it daily. And I also teach it to my kids. Even if you think about something bad, about something that you don't want, about whatever, that's okay. It happened naturally. Right. But when it comes to you, start to think, okay, what do I want instead? What do I want instead? And that way you really keep your thinking and your state of mind on the positive side of what I can do and what I should do and not how miserable I am because whatever happened to me. Absolutely. And the fact that you mentioned while you were getting your legs worked on and you were in physical therapy and you were going through that rehab, at the same time, you were working on magic. And so I'm assuming that that made your transition from once you got to that point where you were like, you know what, the junior Olympic team is no longer an option for me. It's no longer a goal for me. By that point, you had probably already transitioned mentally or emotionally to I'm going to be doing other things. And so I'm assuming that was a lot easier transition for you going into a new life without the Olympic dreams, correct? That's absolutely true. And I think that part of it was, again, because I prepared another journey mm -hmm. and I prepared myself also mentally, you know, that not to be disappointed because like I said before, I did went back to do judo and I did went back to compete. But two years that you don't practice and you suffer injury and the other keep practicing the two years, the gap just become too big. And so since I love it so much, I just continue doing that, you know, until today, sometimes I go to practices just because I love it. But I realized it cannot be my main thing in life anymore because physically I'm just cannot be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, you're a master of hypnotherapy and timeline therapy, as well as a master trainer in neurolinguistic programming. Explain what those therapies and treatments are. So hypnotherapy, basically, it's a way to access the unconscious mind where everything is stored. And then we can really shift our perception about certain memories okay mm -hmm. and therefore you know when a person is going through trauma doesn't matter at what age and trauma does not need to be something harsh like a rape or a robbery or something like that trauma can definitely be like something that happened to me that a sentence that my dad told me you know after my rehab on my way back to from a competition where I lost and he just tell me and look, I'm 47 now and it put tears in my eyes even to think about it. And he tells me, maybe you should quit judo. You're not as good as you were. And for me, as, as a teenager that tried to go back, it was devastating to hear something like that. And I did have conversation about it with my dad. And first of all, he didn't remember that specific sentence, which make a lot of sense. You know, as parents, we say a lot of things to our kids. We don't really pay attention what each sentence really means for them. Right. And when I had a conversation with him about it, I said, I was worried about you because I saw that you suffer and I saw that your opponent are going on your leg because they know this is your weakness. And that's why I said what I said. And once I shift the perception around that, it helped me to keep moving in my life. So sometimes right. trauma is something small like that. But what happened to the brain in a situation of a trauma, the unconscious mind make new rules at that point that will defend us, okay? That will protect us. Right. But the thing is that a rule that was created when I was 15 or even 
worse when I was five, you know, when I was bullied, will not serve any good purpose in my life today when I'm 47. So that's what hypnosis allows us to do is really change the perceptions around memories and therefore it change our reality. In timeline therapy, this is the best way I think to deal with trauma and anxiety and limiting beliefs and limiting decisions and stuff like that because you can really recreate memories and recreate rules in the unconscious mind. It's really an amazing techniques that I use with a lot of my clients to clean negative emotions, to clean negative emotions mm-hmm. like anger, sadness, fear, guilt. Mm-hmm. And that's a really a life-changing process to do cleaning of negative emotion. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, how are you able to use those therapies to help athletes? Here's the thing, and this is the reason why I approach you and I loved what you do because I was an athlete, but... In reality, I work more with teenagers, not necessarily athletes. I work with business people. I work with parents. I work with variety of people. But I, and that's why I approach you because I really liked the fact that you help young athletes. And I know how important it is, you know, to give them tools and really teach them how to be mentally strong. You know, and how to really stay focused. One of the beautiful things that I say in my lecture, it's actually something that Kobe Bryant said. He said, going an hour before everybody to the practice, that's living the dream. Staying an hour after everybody already left, that's living the dream. Work hard even when I don't feel good, that's living the dream. Absolutely. And if you will allow me, I would love to talk about my morning routine that really helped me to stay focused and positive through even the worst day that I have. And I think this is really great tools for anybody, you, your listeners, you know, everybody, to really utilize this morning routine or parts of it because it really helps people to stay focused. Absolutely. So give us that morning routine. So it has five steps. And basically, as you know, the most powerful energy in the world is the energy of gratitude. So my morning routine starts with, I'm thanking God, the universe, if somebody is not uh, religious or don't believe in God, it doesn't matter, you know. I thank the universe for at least three good things in my life. At the beginning, it's hard, but as you do it on a regular basis, you start to see that even 20 and 30 and 40 things are good in your life and even more and more. So it really helps you to fo- to start to develop the focus on what's good and not what's bad. And then the second step of my morning routine is I ask God or the universe, what is it that I want to achieve? I ask them specifically what I need help with, what I want to achieve. I tell it specifically to God like he's my dad and he's going to help me to get it. And then step number three, I thank God in advance as if he already gave me what I ask in step number two. Right. Be thankful for in advance. Right. And then step number four I close my eyes and I visualize that I got what I wanted. And now I start to reverse engineer what I have to do for those things to happen. Right. Not what God has to do, not what the universe, not what my boss, not what my wife, not what my kid, what I have to do Mm -hmm. to make those things happen. Right. And then the fifth step, I just put music, you know, that really make me feel good. Like, for example, now the song that I hear is uh, Unstoppable by Sia. And I do some push-ups and some, some jumps, you know, just to make the, the blood running in the body. And that's how I start my day. Awesome. Awesome. So through your tragedy, what did you learn about yourself? 
That's a great question. First of all, I learned that I can do whatever it is that I want to do. Meaning, I don't let anything or anyone stops me from getting what I want. It doesn't matter if it's learning to walk or learning magic. It doesn't matter. Facing the fear, not the fear because the fear is not there, but facing the pain that you have to go through in rehabilitation and I wanted to face and force the pain as much as I could because I knew the more pain means more healing. More pain means more healing. So I really wanted to induce it more than once a day, more than what the doctor said that is necessary. Right. So I think that that taught me a big power in life, not to be afraid of anything and really face the pain. And because if there is no pain, there is no growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you say that once you got bullied and you got into judo to kind of protect yourself and and I guess even gain some confidence in a way judo sort of saved your life? Because if you think about it, you got bullied, you could have harbored the anger and the bad feelings and all those things and your life could have taken a different turn. But instead, you use that for something positive. You joined the judo team. You became very good at it. You made the Olympic team. So in a way, judo kind of maybe saved your life. Would you agree with that? Definitely. It was, you know, when I was a kid and we moved to a new place that I didn't want to be there, you know, and I was mad at my parents and mad at all the world. That was a great place to take out all the anger and then come home relaxed. So (laughs) definitely it saved me because if not the judo, to be honest, I don't know what I would have done in such a small city that we moved and I didn't know anybody and how long it would have taken me, you know, to get in the group of the people or socialized and stuff like that especially when you move to the city two days before school and the first day of school you get bullied so right <laughs> definitely wow. judo saved my life absolutely so finally what advice would you give to young athletes when it comes to dealing with adversity and tragedy so first of all know that it's not the end of the world and things happen in life for a reason if you really give it a meaning and As much as it's devastating, you know, and I know because I went through that myself to realize that something that you love so much is being taken from you. And I'm not talking about the physical pain because this is the small stuff, you know, your dreams and your goals and and, and that crashes. That's the big pain. That's the big pain. Right. But knowing it's not the end of the world and knowing that you're going to find your way to do something better if your intention, just keep your intentions positive. Keep your intention positive. That's, I think, the best thing that I can really advise. Okay. How can listeners follow and reach out to you if they need to? Oh, with pleasure. So use NLP on Facebook, on Instagram. My website is usenlp.com. My Facebook is Facebook slash usenlp. My Instagram is slash usenlp. So all my social media, my website, my email is usenlp.com at gmail.com. So everything is very easy to find me. If you type my name, Iran Hafner, on Google, you will find a lot of results. So it's really, really easy to find me. And it's U-S-E-N-L-P, correct? Yes, U-S-E-N-L-P. Well, Iran, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Again, I think it's one that's very compelling, and I think it's one that not only athletes, not only kids, but adults and everyone can take something away from your story and use it in their own lives, no matter what kind of adversity or tragedy they're facing. So again, I really appreciate you reaching out and coming on the show to talk about your story. For sure. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I look forward to having you again. With pleasure. We'll schedule something. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Once again, I'd like to thank Iran for joining the show. What are the three takeaways from today's episode? Number one, focus on the positive. Number two, in every tragedy, there is something positive. And number three, sports is what you do. It's not who you are. If you enjoy this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. Also, I ask that you support the show by making a small donation. All you have to do is click on the support the show link in the show notes and donate. If you donate, you'll get a shout out in a future episode. And I thank you in advance. Please tune in for the next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you.